Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast, uh, recording this on Wednesday. Soccer playoffs are underway, and this edition of Talking Preps has got two special guests. Uh, we've got Katie Affett, who is the girls' uh, coach at Edina, and we'll get to Aaron Fenton a little bit later in this uh, podcast. He is the boys' head coach at Lakeville South. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the Hornets and Cougars. We're going to talk a little about just bigger picture soccer things. And we'll get into all that. And we'll start with Katie. Katie, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for being here and doing this. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, the playoffs have already started. So we're sort of calling this and considering this a playoff preview. Uh, but we're underway. And I wanted to ask you right off the jump, philosophically, about the challenge of the playoffs because last night you took care of prior lake pretty handily but if you look in your own section which is class 3a uh, section two eden prairie needed to go to overtime to beat waconia and and eden prairie was a three seed and waconia was a six what is it about you're ending a team season you're ending most players soccer careers regardless of what the seeds are and what the records are, that's not an easy thing to do. How do you prepare your team for that task? Um, well, we, um, you know, at the end of the game yesterday, uh, it was four nothing at half. Um, and at the end we told our bench, cause normally, you know, after regular season games, there's a lot of celebration, especially as it gets later on in the year. And last night we told the bench, listen, we need to be respectful. We need to be quiet. You know how this feels to be on the other side and make sure that you guys are not kind of putting it in their faces that we get to continue to play and they don't. So we were, you know, quietly, we walked out on the field at the end of the game, exchanged our pleasantries with Prior Lake, um, you know, told them great season, good fight, and just kind of moved on from there. And I said, you know, we can be happy at practice tomorrow, but tonight we need to fully understand how they feel on the other side. Well, that's the post game. I can appreciate your thoughts on, on kind of the good uh, you know, sportsman aspect, but in terms of preparing your team to play going into these playoff games, how do you get them, you know, Hey, <clears throat> we're number one, we're undefeated. That's great. But nobody is going to die easy here. We're going to have to, you know, no one wants their season or their careers to be over. And, and how do you get that urgency with your players going into the playoffs? We have been talking through it uh, as the season's gone on. You know, the longer that zero stayed in the loss column, the more we talked about, you know, we have a big target on our back. Everybody's, we're going to see everybody's best game against us because, you know, everybody wants to be the team that ends our season. So we've just kind of tried to get them to stay relaxed and stay having fun and stay playing our game. And the more relaxed we are, the better we play. The tighter we come out, um, you know, we struggle a little bit, which I will say to Prior Lake's credit last night, they came out firing. Um, our goalie had to make a breakaway save basically off the kickoff. So it took us a little bit to get our feet wet, so to speak, and settle down because I think everyone realizes how much pressure there is and everyone realizes kind of the severity of what happens if we lose. That save that that you uh, that was made was that before you scored a goal? Yes, it was. So, so it you could have been down one nothing. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah so just you kept it in. What's the what's the challenge been internally uh, with your team? It's it's got a lot of high powered offensive talents. Is is one? How have you made one ball be enough this year? 
that's the nature of how amazing this group is. They are very much team first. Obviously, we have some big guns in there, um, you know, high powered, high recruited, um, highly celebrated. But the good part is our leadership, um, the senior class, the returners, their goal has been the same from the get go, basically whatever it takes to get to our end goal. Um, and you can see looking at our stat sheet that it's been, you know, after Maddie, it's been, we have a lot of people scoring goals and it's a lot of fun to watch, um, you know, the girls kind of play with each other and for each other, which I think has been a significant reason for our success. Is there a game you can point to along the journey of the season? I mean, they're all wins. So you'd think, okay, every, everything's been good, but is there a win or two where you were able to, as a coach, kind of break it down and say, yeah, we won, but, and, and these are the things we need to do better if we're going to want to accomplish our goals in November. Were, were there games that offer those, those moments, even though you did win? I think any of our conference games, we sit mm. in such a brutal conference that <clears throat> even the teams that are below 500 present some high quality challenges. And, you know, even after our Buffalo game, um, you know, and they finished last in our conference, but they're not, I mean, they're still a high effort, high work rate team. So we've been able to take things out of every game to say, listen, we need to improve on this or we need to clean this up. Um, you know, I'll point to the second time against Wyzetta. Tony is, you know, arguably one of the best coaches in the state. Tony he always, yeah. Yes. He always has his teams playing him the second time is brutal because he is so good at getting his teams ready the second time around that, you know, I can point to a lot of things that happened in this game the second time we played them, you know, they, they scored and they scored a goal that we had been giving up frequently. And we were able to point to the girls, listen, we cannot just let them score and then wake up because a team like Wyzetta is good enough that they'll punish us long-term. Um, so I think that's one kind of pinnacle moment for us that the girls said, okay, we can't fall asleep on this and we can't just assume we're gonna score. Well, Minnetonka, because, <clears throat> excuse me, with all due respect to Wyzetta, they're not in your section. Minnetonka is, and you've struggled with them in the postseason. I swept them this year. What did you take from that, those games that are going to be of value should you meet in the section final uh, in a couple of weeks, or it's a couple of weeks, and in, in, in potentially six days? And Minnetonka is, no matter where they sit <clears throat> in the standings, they're always a tough game for us, um, you know, just because of the history and sections. Um, you know, we see them traditionally three times a year. It's been that way for the last five years, I think. Um, we know them well. They know us well. They have a former Edina coach on their bench. So there's a lot of things that add to the um, kind of stress of that game. And we know that Minnetonka will come out hard from the get-go. They're going to have a we-can-do-this attitude. They're going to have a we-can-keep-up-with-them style attitude. So leaving the two games we played them this fall – we know we cannot, you know, take a minute to get going. We have to come out from the very beginning. We have to have a good warm up. We have to take it seriously, and we have to act like that could be the last game. So let's play like it. You you, you feel like you're coaching Miss Soccer this year? Feel like I'm coaching what? Miss Soccer. <laughs> um, that's a loaded question. Yes, I do. I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest. She is an incredible athlete. She is scoring goals that, you know, are high, high level division one style goals. Um, but to her credit, she is more than willing to 
take off on the run um, and pass to a teammate. She is not selfish. She will do anything for this team. Uh, and I think is a significant reason for the success. So do I think she deserves it? Absolutely. Well, for the uninitiated here, we're talking about Maddie Deline, And she, one of the things that I've noticed throughout the history of state tournaments in all sports is that you can have a star player. If they have a bad night, sometimes the other teammates get caught watching and waiting for the star to do something. How has your team, you mentioned its depth and kind of the next person up sort of philosophy. How has your team uh, done in terms of, you know what, let's not just wait for Maddie. Let's, let's, let's take our moment if it's here and, and let's, it, are, you, are you seeing more that, that gives you confidence that if they do pack it in, if they do try to take away Maddie, that you've got players that can sting. Uh, well, I didn't mean to make a pun out of that, but <laughs> we'll go with sting. They can see you know, the Hornets. The, I like uh, it. Teammates that can, that can make other teams pay. Very much so. And it's been the nature of basically all of our games this year that teams are double, if not triple teaming her, which is leaving other people open. And like I touched on before, um, if you look at our stats, we have a very well-rounded offense and we can score from anywhere. I mean, we've been scoring from anywhere from our center back to all the way up the middle to our wingers to, I mean, all four of our forwards that play a significant chunk all have, you know, good output. Um, so I think, you know, God forbid something happened to Maddie or they are able to shut her down. We have enough around us and around her that we'd still be okay. And I think they've kind of been used to playing around her because lots of times she has double and triple teams in a game anyway. How do, you how do you do triple team somebody? Soccer, I just it's such a big field. It's such a fluid sport. If you wanted to do that, how do you do it? Even? It's, it's kind of a, it's a big gamble. Um, a lot of teams will go 1v1. So the same player just kind of follows Maddie around all game. Okay, sure. Yeah. You pull a second player over and that leaves one of our players open somewhere else. So then it be kind of, it kind of becomes up to Maddie to find that open player, which, you know, she does incredibly well, or it forces us to play the other side to find that open player and kind of not put Maddie in that situation in the first place. Sure. Tri triple team you'll see sometimes on any sort of set piece because she okay. is lethal. She's got the speed that you have to be aware of. So it just kind of depends on the scenario. And that was not a loaded question, by the way. She's had a great season. She's already the fastest woman in Minnesota, winning the one, the two, and the four last year. So she's <laughs> she, that's that's a fair question. It, it, it's a fair question, but I know she'll be mad that I'm talking about her. And you know, we don't we try to stay as humble as we can. So it's sure. yes. One other thing I wrote uh, today's Wednesday when we're recording this today's Star Tribune. I had an article on Alma Beaton, uh, who a player that you're familiar with from St. Louis Park. She's in that strong senior class of of uh, girls soccer players here in the class of 2022. And she's somebody that I was got curious about her from the jump because I was like, oh, we've got this D1 commit uh, to the Gophers, no less, playing at St. Louis Park, which is not a program that has been um, traditionally making deep postseason runs. So I wanted, my curiosity just led me to, to looking into what her story is all about. And to have a play, and she talked about, you know, there were times, you know, she's got a, a, a dad who's principal at Edina, and I know, I'm sure you know Andy, and 
And uh, yeah. her mother is a, an educator at Robbinsdale Armstrong. And before her ninth grade year, they just asked, where would you like to go to school? And, and she, she said that, uh, this was Ann that I was talking to, the mom, and she said, we asked her that question, but there really was only one answer. Uh, Alma wanted to play with her teammates at St. Louis Park, and, and, uh, and that was all that she never really considered much of anything else. How important is that for you as, as someone who believes in the, in the greater game to have a player of her caliber leading a non-traditional program and, and fighting the good fight for them. And, and that, I, I imagine that rather than her going to some super team and, and making a super team even better, she's there carrying the flag for her program. I, I imagine that's gotta be a good thing uh, in terms, as far as you see the bigger picture. Absolutely. And I give her a lot of credit. Of course, we were salty that she didn't end up at Edina, but that's our problem. <laughs> well, you, you went undefeated so far. I think it worked <laughs> out. <laughs> of course. But a player of Alma's um, capabilities, she's, she's an incredibly high level, high IQ soccer player. And, you know, it's fun to see her stay at home um, to play for the Gophers. But I do equate her kind of on a smaller scale to like a Casey Middlestat or a Sammy Walker, somebody who stayed at home, for lack of a better descriptor, played with her friends, put herself in that leadership role, um, knew that she was on a team that isn't necessarily traditionally a powerhouse, but she said, you know what, I want to be a leader on this team, I want to stay with my friends. Um, I, I mean, I think good on her. I think that's very impressive, especially for somebody to make that decision at a young age when she has the opportunity to go kind of wherever she wanted and she stayed at home. I think that takes a lot of maturity and a lot of respect for her teammates. Uh, her mom is a coach. There's a lot of pieces in there, but I think that was an incredible decision and I applaud her for it. Very good. Uh, anything else we should uh, we, we should mention about the landscape of, of uh, I'll just keep you in class 3A, uh, you know, I, I won't ask you, I won't quiz you on the other classes, but anything else in 3A that, that that got your attention, that's something you're looking at? I mean, you're a little busy, I know, but is there anything else that, that's intriguing to you, other matchups and other sections? Um, other sections, it's going to be a lot of fun because I think there's so much talent and I think even the lower seeds. I mean, you saw it in our section last night, the six seed took the three seed to overtime. Right. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think there's, you know, the talent level, talent level overall is so high that it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see kind of who comes through each section, especially the sections that have, you know, maybe the, the higher, you know, they've got the cluster of teams, right. you know, you've got Stillwater has a brutal section. Uh, Maple Grove has a brutal section. So there's going to be a lot of kind of dog fights coming down the stretch here. Yeah, absolutely. And one more point about you said about the increased skill level. So Ann Beaton plays for the Gophers when they first were a Division One program. So this is 1993 was her first season, and then she played again in 1994. Mm-hmm. And she uh, now coaching. She she always starts somewhere during the course of practice. She has kids work on their dribbling, and so uh, or. or uh, or, or wait, not what, what's one not dribbling? Which which one do you juggling? Juggling. Yeah. Um, she starts with that, and at, at the beginning of the year, her daughter could juggle all day, but every you know, there's most of the other kids struggled, so they worked on it. Now all kids can juggle at least fifteen. Most of them are into the twenties and beyond, and so it's just mm-hmm. one of those gauges of of things that they're doing to work on their individual skill. Well, then 
flashback then to when she was in college. She said, I, I couldn't juggle at all. So she's just the skill of these kids, whatever program, whether you're traditional power or not, these kids skill uh, to your point is, is just the floor has come so far up. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. It's fun to see kind of more of the big time D1 schools giving Minnesota credit. Cause I think we've been flyover territory for a really long time. And each, each class has kind of clawed its way uh, to get the classes behind them respect. So it's a lot of, a lot of fun to be a part of. Well, as I sometimes say to coaches, when I talk to them, especially at playoff seasons, I, I wish you good health, good luck and good bounces. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you doing this today. And uh, we'll, uh, you, I think you, people listening might actually feel compelled to actually root for Edina. So you've done well for yourself today. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It was good to talk to you. My pleasure, Katie. See you soon. Bye-bye. And that brings up Mr. Aaron Fenton, who he is going to be coming on. He is the head coach of the, as we said, the uh, boys program at Lakeville South. Like Edina, you're unbeaten thus far, um, although you do have a tie on your record. <laughs> Slackers. Uh, but, no, no, but it's been a good year and where did it come from? Because last year, this is a two win team. Uh, I know we had a goofy set of circumstances with, with COVID and, and everything else, but what propelled this team from what you had last year to what you've got this year? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, with this group coming off kind of a poor season for, for our standards last year, um, you know, they've, they really implemented some of our changes, you know, quite well, um, whether it's tactically or the style of play, you know, we used to always be, um, you know, the previous two years, it was more a counterattack team because it was kind of obvious that, you know, the, the level of play um, wasn't up to par compared to some of the other teams. So, you know, we'd sit back and try to counterattack from there. Um, but then, you know, myself and my assistant, uh, Wayne Hill, you know, we chatted and it's kind of to the point we're at the, you know, point of the year where guys can play now. And it's a, a good kudos to the local clubs. Um, Lakeville Soccer Club is doing really well with most of the kids in that program. But, uh, you know, their style of play, the things they can do with the ball, their tactical understanding, it's definitely leaps and bounds better than what it was, um, you know, in years past. So we're excited about that. And then having a regular season where, um, it's not as much, you know, COVID restrictions. We've done a lot more team bonding and things off the field that we did not do last year, um, just to be safe and cautious. So I do think that all the team bonding and film, um, and then the injury preventions with weights and the community projects that we put together on top of just regular practices and games have really, you know, set them up for success. I wanted to cover some of your players and, and I'm going to need help with the pronunciation of your, <laughs> your, of your big time goal scorer. How do we pronounce this young man's name? Uh, Luik Masanvi. Okay. Very good. And he's a senior. He's got 22 goals at this point. And any, it, anytime you can have an alpha scorer like that, it's got to help everything. What, how, what's been key to him blossoming this year as, as that go-to scorer? Yeah. You know, for, um, for Luik, he's, his natural position is actually in the midfield. So, um, you know, we've asked him to kind of change his style of play and um, just kind of stay higher up the field and wait for the ball compared to being on the ball and getting as many touches as what you would in the middle. And 
he's done well with that. We have players that can get him the ball in dangerous spots. Um, and he's really finding the right times of when to make runs because, um, like they said earlier, you know, on the show, he's getting um, some special treatment. He's got two, three guys, you know, around him at all times. So luckily, since he did play as a, uh, a midfielder in the past and he's a great distributor with the ball, you know, it comes in handy for him to be able to make that extra pass and find someone into space instead of trying to do it all himself. So he's a really good team player, but knows how to take advantage of opportunities when they come up. As I have taken the role of, of quarterbacking the all Metro team selections for in soccer, uh, there's a lot of positions and a lot of people that if you look at them purely from a statistical standpoint, you wouldn't think much, but they are absolutely essential to what they're doing for their teams. Who else on your team fits that? Maybe statistically, well, okay, wow, they, you know, they only have two goals, whatever, but they're, they're absolutely key to what you're doing, to being an undefeated team. Uh, who, who else comes to mind as far as guys that have, have really been able to step up and, and give you a lot this year? Yeah, I mean, naturally, I think every coach would immediately, you know, mention their captains. I mean, we spoke about Luik, um, but then our other two senior captains, Connor Beauchamp and J.P. Hill. Um, you know, those two guys have been great. And like you said, the stats aren't really there. Um, there are two center backs right now. And, you know, the stats for them pretty much come from a random goal or assist in a game or just doing the team stats with winning games and helping our keeper as a shutout. So they don't really get the accolades that they probably should um, because we haven't had a lot of you know, blowouts this year. It's been very close games. Um, so for those guys to really anchor the defense and make it, you know, uh, as close as possible in the games where there's only one goal games or we need that shutout to win, um, they've done very well. So those guys don't have the stats, but they've done awesome for us. And then there's other, there's other players on our team um, that it really is team first because when you go into certain games um, and the scoreline gets to where it is, you know, suddenly, usually the mentality is, oh, I want to get a goal or, oh, I want to get on the stat sheet compared to knowing your role and doing your job. And right now, you know, we've had injuries, we've had illness, and we've really had to rely on some other players playing out of position, um, which is a little um, difficult to do. So, you know, one that's been a great asset for us this year, Luke Faint, you know, he's normally a 10 or a 7-11, a winger, but He's had probably a third, at least a third of the games where he's helping us more in a defensive midfield role um, to help with injuries um, and, and illness. Um, so he's really stepped it up. And I know his stats have probably took a beating for that. But, um, you know, he's willing to do it and help the team win games. So it's been great to watch. Absolutely. The, uh, so on Tuesday night, we got started in some sections with quarterfinals. And fourth-ranked Champlain Park is already out. They were a two seed in class three, a section five, and they were knocked out by a seven seed spring Lake park. What sort of cautionary tale do you provide your guys with something like that? We have a high, you know, you have a, on paper, it should be this, this team should advance and they should be looking ahead to facing Maple Grove in the section final and it's done. They're done. They're going to turn in their stuff. They're done. It's over. And what, what sort of cautionary tale do you provide your guys something like that to not get too far out of themselves? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how it goes. It's a quick season. And once you get to the sections and, you know, you lose, you're done. And I noticed that um, last night and, you know, I feel for 
for that team. Um, it's tough, but that's that's a story of the game. You know, these these kids are learning uh, to try to be as consistent as possible. But consistency from teenagers isn't something that you're always going to get. And it's making sure that they don't take anybody lightly. I mean, for us, um, you know, my assistant coach internally was pretty happy that we tied our last regular season game to give the boys a little bit more motivation. Yeah, um, I was going to ask about that if that was a well-timed <laughs> result because you didn't, you didn't lose, so you didn't, you know, you, it wasn't a game where okay, now we can't be this, we can't be that. All your goals are still in front of you, but now you got this, this, uh, dang it, we tied situation. Is that? It sounds like that was beneficial. Right. So he was happy about that, you know, um, but that just kind of shows you that helps prep us for playoffs. We had some injuries and illnesses and we're asking a lot from some other players on the team and, you know, the mentality, we still thought we may get it. You know, they somehow were always finding a way to get the result. And even with all these things going up against them, we thought maybe they could still do it on that day, but they just fell a little short, um, but definitely some motivation going into postseason and, making sure you're not taking anybody lightly, like you had asked, you know, even last night in our game against Farmington, you know, we beat them in the regular season uh, with a pretty good scoreline and, you know, letting them know, Hey, these guys aren't going to um, just let you have the game. You have to come in, you have to work harder and you have to be smarter. Um, those two things and you should be fine. Um, and then what do you know, probably three, four minutes into the game, Farmington has a shot and hits the post and it's just one of those things in playoffs anything can happen some nerves are there um, I think the first game of playoffs is always the hardest game get that first one in and then you can kind of steady some nerves but that first game is always the, the most nervous one for the players for sure. How many years is this for you coaching either at South or in high school coaching at all here? Um, so high school coaching this is my fourth year at South um, okay. so I've been um in minnesota i was coaching at shedding st mary's in the development academy for three years prior to that um but i did two years in kentucky i was a head coach out there um after i left a college position and and everything from there so six years coaching high school and uh, a lot of different other spells along that time so um but it's been a really good group it's nice to see the kind of culture at south change a little bit where i would say my first year coming into it um I was probably a little bit more naive thinking I could make such a change in the first season. Um, so that was, that was a rough time. I uh, still had the same assistant coach with me. So we kind of joke about that from time to time, but it really is something where the cultures change and the guys that are coming out to play soccer are playing in the off season and they're developing where we only have them for two, three months. Um, what are they doing in the other nine months of the year? And right, it's right. it's exciting that a lot of them are choosing to play competitively outside of high school to keep developing. So um, that's helping us a lot. I've heard it said you become a better team during the season. You become a better player in the summer or, or what yeah. you're doing in the off season as far as high school goes, because you're right. It's a it's a blur of a season. And uh, yeah, you do improve in some aspects, but you got to bring a lot coming in, you know, because there's you can't make traumatic, dramatic changes in that short window of time. Uh, right. And the other, the other thing a coach said to me that I'm curious, we we're talking about the playoff and the finality of it. Uh, it was a uh, uh, hockey coach who said, it's pretty amazing because with the way the sections then you have, and then into the state tournament, if you're going to win this thing, you got to win six game sevens in a row. 
<laughs> and then when I said it like that, I'm like, holy cow. It, yeah, it is that. It is that dramatic, isn't it? Right. It is. I mean, it's there's something about it where, um, you know, you lose and you're done and there's just so much pressure on that one given game. And it's it's hard to get through. Um, luckily, I feel like, you know, for us at South, we weren't expecting to be in the rankings or anything like that. And then suddenly we get in the top 10 rankings and, um, you know, you can tell a difference of the teams that we're going up against, you know, luckily we're in the South suburban conference. We always have a very competitive um, group of teams that we go up against to prepare us for the postseason. but you know, you get in the top 10 rankings and you stay up there for a couple of games and suddenly there's just this extra motivation. There's that target on your back, like they said earlier. And that's something we've talked to the boys about because it's not easy and it's been great preparation to get them ready for postseason. where when you lose, you're done. Fair enough. Well, once again, my, my, uh, my sign off blessing to good health, good luck, good bounces. And uh, I appreciate you doing this and, and we'll, uh, we'll check in with you again. Good luck to you. Aaron. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you.